everyone, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast, and looking back on my Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Since it is February, I am going to be covering an episode of Family Matters that I actually watched last spring, last spring, last summer, when I was staying at the hotel. Well, anyway, um... I was amazed by this episode. I cried at the end. It really, really touched me emotionally. And the episode I'm talking about of Family Matters, it's towards the end of season two. It's season two, episode 20, entitled Fight the Good Fight. This episode aired March 1st, 1991. So yeah, when this episode aired, I was almost, almost eight and a half years old. I don't believe I what I don't I'm trying to honestly think when I started watching Family Matters because I was full house through and through but I do remember watching the show Family Matters probably early on when it started and then I think I honestly feel I think because I kind of put Steve on the same level of a of the next door neighbor is Kimmy Gibbler. So I think after a while, it just the storylines with Steve just got kind of, kind of goof, too goofy for me. But, um, yeah. So let me read the synopsis. During Black History Month, Laura and Urkel hope their fellow students will gain appreciation for other cultures and races with a new class. But all they get is a bunch of threats from a few racist classmates. Laura breaks down in tears and feels sorry for herself. But Estelle's story behind her first library card gives her new inspiration. That is what did me in, is when Carl's mom, Mama Winslow, had told the story about how she got her first library card. So, yeah, at the time that I watched this, Hulu was, they had all the TGIF shows from Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step, Perfect Strangers. They had all that. Now, unfortunately, you can only watch them on HBO Max, which I think that the amount of streaming channels or streaming networks, subscriptions... This, honestly, I feel, and I know I'm going off topic here, but this really drives me nuts. This is insane. The amount of separate subscription channels just to watch certain shows. HBO, I mean, it started out with Netflix, then you got Hulu, you got your Amazon Prime. Then it moved on to, what, HBO Max, Paramount Plus... Um, I know there's probably a handful of others that I can't even recall right now, but it's just, it's gotten so ridiculous that, I, I mean, and we have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and even Disney Plus. Yeah, that's the other one I forgot to mention. We have all of those. And sometimes we're like, hey, I want to see a movie I don't have. Maybe one of these four or five streaming services I oh, am paying monthly for might have it. No, they don't. That it's in it's it's nuts. It's just nuts. It's just it's ridiculous. 
But anyway, I'm getting off topic. So this episode, I believe I said, has a 7.1 out of 10 rating based on 143 ratings. It was directed by Gary Mentier. Actually, Gary Mentier. That name is familiar, I swear. Oh, R.I.P. He passed away. He directed some of Punky Brewster? <gasps> okay, okay. Um, I thought, oh, Happy Days? Okay. I swear, didn't he also, he must have done either Silver Spoons and Different Strokes as well. Because I know in covering those shows, I've seen Gary Mentier's name pop up. Okay, yes, he was a supervising producer, co-executive producer for Punky Brewster. All 88 episodes, all four seasons. Um, yeah, and same with Family Matters, which is interesting because Cherry Johnson, who played Cherry Johnson on Punky Brewster, went on to play Maxine on Family Matters. I just think that is so cool. That is so, so cool. Let's see. Um, maybe, maybe he did. No, I guess. Okay. Well, you know what? That's all right. Okay, so let's get back to the task at hand. Writers, we have Thomas L. Miller and Robert L. Boyette. Of course, the name Boyette comes up, I think, of Full House. Miller, Bo Miller Boyette production. Yes. So these guys have their hands in a lot of TGI Friday shows. TGIF shows. All right, so we got some trivia. The first episode of Only a Few to emphasize that the Winslow family is African-American. Spray painting lockers is vandalism, so whoever did it would have either... Okay, this is just... This is not trivia. This is somebody's opinion of what could happen. So, yeah, it says they would have been either suspended or expelled, especially if it's a racial or ethnic slur. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Reginald Vell Johnson and Clyde... Kusatsu appeared in the film Turner and Hooch. Who's Clyde? Oh! Um. Okay, let me check out. He may have when one of the teachers, I remember that Steve is trying to, you know, speak uh, Chinese. Okay, so Cherry Johnson. Maxit Johnson! Going with the last name Johnson. Cool, cool. Susan Krebs. Mystic. She plays a teacher. We got Clyde Ketsu. Oh, he plays a principal, Edgar Shimada. Okay, so it says that he was in the movie Turner and Hooch. I'm guessing he had to have been the store clerk that was helping Tom Hanks' character get all this, like, dog food. And, oh, oh you need some, uh, what is it, like, some shampoo for the dog like oh no 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 you need medicated shampoo for that dog oh well here's some toys the dogs like dogs like to chew so either he's going to chew on these or he's going to chew on your furniture um yeah i definitely do want to cover turner and hooch for the podcast um okay seriously i don't want to go through this guy's resume <laughs> uh because I'm podcasting in the other room, you know, the room I said that gives me issues with internet. Still does, by the way. But I can actually, I can podcast stuff that's on like a disc, like a Blu-ray or a DVD. I can't podcast anything streaming. So anything that's on, you know, Disney Plus, Net, what, whatever, I just, if it takes the internet, I really, the internet here in this particular room 
is very it's very wonky it's very just a pain in the butt <laughs> so um this lady susan krebs i recognize her because she was in um honey we shrunk ourselves she played aunt patty Oh, yeah, also, uh, well, maybe she didn't, no, she didn't play Aunt Pat. No, she played um, Mrs. Patterson in the season six Silence is Not Golden episode. Okay, that's where I recognize her from, okay. So I think because I, um, I think I'm going to hold off. There's three reviews. I want to wait because it's been a bit since I watched the episode. So I'm going to wait till the I'm done covering the episode and then... We'll do the user reviews. So, I just, with it being Black History Month, I really, as soon as I saw this episode, it's like, I know what episode I want to do for February for Black History Month is this episode. Um, I do have a recommendation for, it's, I believe I did talk about it for a minute on, um, probably when I was you know, covering an episode of the new Wonder Years show. There, is, and if you have Hulu, it's on Hulu. It's called Women of the Movement. It's a six-part uh, anthology. It talks about Mamie, um, hold on, let me, yes, it's called Women of the Movement. It's a six-part series. It's based on the true story of Mamie Till Mobley, who in 1955 risked her life to find justice after her son Emmett was brutally murdered in the Jim Crow South. Unwilling to let Emmett's murder disappear from the headlines, Mamie chose to bear her pain on the world stage, emerging as an activist for justice and igniting the civil rights movement as we know it. So yeah, she did actually come before Rosa Parks and... Yeah, this happened before Rosa Parks and um, Martin Luther King Jr. This, I I honestly have no words. This this stunned me in this in 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 the silence. Honestly, um, even Jeremy and I watched this together, and we don't really watch a whole. He's not really too interested into too much of a, what I watch. I mean, sometimes there are you know some things, but I just. I thought that this is very important that this should be viewed by by everyone. This is such an important part of history. Um, you know, it happened in 1955. Our our parents were not yet two years old when this. Well, maybe, but anyway, um, this emotionally wrecked me. Just, just learning about what this this lady went through, what her son, her fourteen year old son went through. He went on a trip to stay with his uncle and his cousins, and he went with them to this white owned, like convenience store or little uh, supermarket. And it was like a little corner store little country store and they say like because he whistled at this lady like wolf whistled at her 
and then the husband of the woman and his like brother-in-law went to where Emmett Till this 14 year old child if you will went to where he was staying with his uncle pulled him out of bed and beat him they basically beat him to death I'm sorry for being graphic but this this is just horrible but this was a moment that in history that happened that honestly really needs to be known just with other pivotal moments in history that kids today they need to know that these things happened just everyone did an amazing all the actors and actresses did an amazing job it really this ripped me to my core it really, really did. And Jeremy, and the thing is, Jeremy and I really didn't have, now I had read the book The Hate You Give and Emmett Till was mentioned and I didn't know much about him then either, but I was learned another book, um, a middle grade book called Ghost Boys by Jewel Parker Rhodes. It talks about a, um, a young 12 year old boy who was shot by a white cop and Sadly, he passes away, but he is visited by another boy who was brutally, his life was taken by a white man and everything. And it's just in that book, it detailed what had happened. And I just reading it, it's just, just oof, very disturbing and just heart wrenching. But um, yeah, I definitely, I recommend it this woman just so strong and having to go down there to you know testify with what those men did to her son and everything like that okay so let's get on to the family matters episode like uh but uh, definitely if you have hulu check out women of the movement it is absolutely there's even a documentary on Hulu about Mamie Till Mobley called Let the Let the World See. Is it Let the World See or Let the People See? Yeah. Check those out. Alright, so we, yeah, with Family Matters 2, we get a cold open. We got Carl working on repairing the vacuum cleaner. I think this is like a running joke throughout the episode that he just, he can't fix it. I love how little Richie is helping him, you know, getting him the tools that he needs and stuff. It's just, oh, it's so, it's so cute. He is so adorable. I love how Rich, because Carl's bent over. He's, you know, kind of squatted down there as he's fixing it. And I love how Richie puts a, a hand on Carl's leg and is just kind of leaning over watching him. And Carl just kind of turns his head slightly and just kind of is like, do you mind? Can I help you? <laughs> it's so cute! <laughs> I love this little guy. He's adorable. He's asking Richie to hand him like a screwdriver, pliers. I love how Richie takes the pliers and just slaps them right in Carl's hand. <laughs> and he's still just hanging over 
leaning over <laughs> watching Carl. It's like, because if you think about it, I remember, like, Richie, Carl was the fatherly influence for Richie because I believe that Rachel, I don't know what happened to her husband. I'm not sure. Or to Husband or, or Richie's dad? I mean, can you guys fill me in? I mean, I most likely could look it up on the internet and find out for myself. But um, <laughs> this kid is just... He really rivals Michelle Tanner. He is just, oh, he's too cute for words. I would go to say so far, I think he's more adorable than Michelle. He really is. He's a cutie pie. Carl asks for a lollipop and Richie takes it out of the candy dish on the coffee table, takes the wrapper off and gives it to Carl. Richie also gets himself a lollipop. I love how he's got his hands on his hips as... Carl says, all right, I think we're finished, Richie. Let's see how our patient is doing here. And he, he first of all, he hooks it, the vacuum cleaner into an extension cord, which is plugged into the wall outlet. And I'm like, I would honestly plug that into the wall. That, oh my gosh. I'm just thinking about the times, like, I had to vacuum the living room floor. And how many times... When I went to unplug the vacuum, I wouldn't go over to the wall outlet and unplug it. I would, like, literally pick up the middle of the cord and just yank it out of the wall. Which is understandable why eventually the little, um, the little, uh, metal prong things on the, the cord thing, um, <laughs> got bent at one point or another, and I'd have to, like, kind of, like, unbend them just a little bit so they'd fit into the outlet. I was, like, maybe 10, 11. Wow, it's probably even a little older still doing that. So he turns it on, sounds okay, and then all of a sudden outspurts all this white dust right into Carl's face. Richie takes the lollipop out of his mouth. Puts a hand on a hip and says, it's a goner, Uncle Carl. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you're going to start have to start shopping for a new vacuum. That one's more than on its last legs. It's, it's kaput. It's done. Screwdriver. Screwdriver. we're finished. Now let's see how our patient is doing. It's a goner, Uncle Carl. And that was the cold open. You know what? Um, Richie's kind of Jerry Curl look there, mullet. I just was thinking about, um, about Little Richard. He kind of had that similar thing going, too. And it's just like, oh, oh, I just love this. It's such a good show.
Alright, so we come out of the intro. We're in the living room. Carl again is trying to fix that. <laughs> that vacuum. It's like, dude, it's done, man. You know, don't even bother. Go start shopping for a new vacuum. Um, Harriet's on the couch. Laura's on the couch reading. Mama Winslow is... Looks like she's... Um, Maybe um, sewing a button back on a shirt, maybe? And Harriet remarks how Laura has been, got her nose stuck in a book all morning. You got you studying for a big test? And Laura says, no, it's, it's Black History Month. And Laura says, you know, did you know that an African-American helped design the blueprint for Washington, D.C.? Wow. I just, I get to, I am going to learn a lot in this episode. I definitely am. And Carl, like, yep, Benjamin Banneker. I'm gonna look that. I'm gonna look that up right now. And Laura says, "Hey, not bad." As she goes back to her book, and Carl says, "Hey, your old man has read a book or two. So Laura's gonna quiz Carl again, and she, she takes out on the persona of a game show host, and she says, "Now for the championship and the toaster oven, who made the first patented shoe soiling machine?" I think it's shoe soling. Oh, like the soles on the shoe. Okay. So, <laughs> and Carl's like, uh, uh. And then uh, Mama Winslow, like she hits an invisible buzzer, like buzz. And Laura says, okay, Grandma. She says it was Jan Matzlinger in 1883. Okay, so it says Jan Ernst Matzinger was an inventor whose lasting machine brought significant change to the manufacturing of shoes. And it also says here, like, uh, he patented the shoe-lasting machine, which made footwear, footwear more affordable. Okay. See, didn't I tell you I'm going to learn so much? And Laura is just surprised that her dad and her grandma know this information that she's reading out of a book. She's like, how do you know that? And Mama Winslow says, well, who do you think bought his first pair of shoes? So uh, Harriet is also reading a book. It says, great uh, Negroes, past and present. She said that Alexander Dumas was black. Didn't he? Quinny, what's up? I know. I'll get you food. Hold on. Um, yeah. Isn't Alexander Dumas, he's the one that wrote The Man in the Iron Mask, right? Let me... Let me see. Man in the Iron Mask. Yes. Yes. It says the D'Artagnan romance is 3.4. Well, this is according to Goodreads. Oh, my God. There is a Ill great illustrated classic of the Man in the Iron Mask. This, oh, it came out in 2004. Well, I, my uh, mom had gotten me a couple of, uh, of the great American illustrated classics, uh, Black Beauty and the Call of the Wild. And then I remember also getting, when I went grocery shopping with my dad, I got Frankenstein, and then I got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Which, I mean, definitely don't, don't a book is a book, honestly. Don't fault someone just because they're not reading the actual book that doesn't have pictures in it. I mean, I was reading those when I was, like, 11 and 12. Actually, I think 
that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that book might have been the first time I dealt with what a flashback was in a book because I remember getting really confused. Like, well, wait a second. And Carl jumps up and he's like, the guy that wrote The Three Musketeers? And Laura says, well, most people don't know that. And Harriet says, why? She asks, why? And Laura says, well, well, because Harriet asks, like, well, don't they teach black history at your school? Laura says, yeah, but only for one month. I just, I think of how sheltered I was. We didn't have that at school. And I really honestly wish, looking back on it now, I wish we had. Because there's so many things out there that happened that I, I just didn't know about. You know, when it comes to um, African American history, there's just so many things that I grew up not knowing about until I became an adult. And to me, that is honestly just sad. Like, everybody should know about these things. Everybody should know about this. You know, black history and everything. And it shouldn't just be just because it's February and it's Black History Month. You, well, and I think this is where Laura feels like this is something that should be taught more than once a month. They should actually have a class or make it part of the curriculum. And, you know, Mama Winslow says, you know, that's one month longer than they taught it to me. Laura is really irritated by this. She says, I mean, that really bugs me. We've made important contributions to this country for over 300 years. Laura says, but you wouldn't know it looking in most history books. It's just, it's not fair. And Carl is the one that kind of lights a fire under Laura here and says, well, maybe, sweetheart, if you feel that strongly, maybe you should do something about it. It's like, yes, bring it to the attention of the school. They should you know, get kids together and get a petition going to sign, like, that you, you know, the kids want a class for this. And Laura says, you know, maybe I will. Oh, Carl, can we give the vacuum cleaner a rest? <laughs> He's like, all right, let's give this baby another shot. You're gonna, oh, let me guess more white smoke or whatever dust it's gonna fly out of that thing or is it gonna be sparks coming out of the outlet oh at first it's going along fine as he's moving it back and forth but then here again we get that white powdery dust stuff flying right up in his face what's that saying fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me yeah we want to go for a third time, Carl? Laura, you've had your head in those books all morning. Got a big test coming up? No, this is Black History Month. Did you know that an African-American helped design the blueprint for Washington, D.C.? Yep. Benjamin Banneker. Hey, not bad. Hey, your old man has read a book or two. <laughs> now, for the championship and the toaster oven, who made the first patented shoe sewing machine? Uh, uh, uh. Bulls! Grandma. It was Jan Masslinger in 1883. Hey, that's right. How'd you know that? Who do you think bought his first pair of shoes? <laughs> hey, look. Here's something I didn't know. Alexander Dumas was black. 
The guy that wrote The Three Musketeers? Yeah. Most people don't know that. Why? Don't they teach black history at your school? Yeah, but only for one month. That's one month longer than they taught it to me. You know, that really bugs me. I mean, we've made important contributions to this country for over 300 years. But you wouldn't know it looking at most history books. It's not fair. Well, sweetheart, if you feel that strongly, maybe you should do something about it. Maybe I will. <clears throat> okay. Now, let's give this baby another shot. Fix it. <laughs> All right, so now we're in the cafeteria the next day at school with uh, Laura and Maxine. They're in line, and Maxine pulls something that's on a, a plate that's covered with saran wrap or plastic wrap, and she asks, Ooh, what is it? The, close up, it looks like someone opened up a can of Fancy Feast and just poured it onto a plate. Ugh. Laura tells Maxine, "It's like if you have to ask, just just pass on it. <laughs> it's probably not going to be appetizing. In fact, I can guarantee it. It's not going to be appetizing." Okay, so we got a lunch monitor. That's what they're called, lunch monitor. I don't know why I couldn't think of what the name was, but we got a lunch monitor, and she sees the jocks starting a food fight and she's like hey 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 hey!" just waving her arms like enough steve enters the cafeteria and you hear applause he's got his briefcase with him which is that i have not watched the show since i was a kid so i can't remember is that something he brings with him instead of a backpack to school Okay, I have to check something here because this one guy, <laughs> I love how, because Urkel wants to, Laura is still in the lunch line and he, t er, uh, what do you keep calling, just, I'll call him Steve. Steve, Steve taps this tall guy on the shoulder, like, like and then the guy looks over and then <laughs> Steve cuts in line there. <laughs> I gotta look up this guy. I remember he played Dudley, Arnold's best friend on Different Strokes, and I think he might be... It, this guy is literally a dead ringer for him. It looks exactly like him. I just want to see if this could be him in this episode. Yeah. Okay, so I was wrong. That's not him. He doesn't appear until season four and five as, like, what is it? Weasel, Weasel and another character? Or maybe Weasel is his nickname. Steve with these nicknames for Laura, he's like, oh, hi, my little jello mold. And Laura just rolls her eyes like, ugh. And kissy faces, Have you ever had the unwanted attention from someone that you just, you like as a friend, but you don't have any romantic interest in in any way? It's just like, oh, and Steve's got a pen protector in his pocket. Of course. Rocking those suspenders. Okay, so Miss <laughs> Steuben, who is the lunchroom monitor and most likely a teacher, reaches over and what she grabs an orange. So Steve's like, "Oh, Miss Miss Steuben, what looks good?" And she, this lady, looks like she needs a break because she says, 
Summer, she is just, she looks worn down to a nub, like a pencil that's been used so long that you can barely grip it. And <laughs> I get, I think the teachers and the, like, the principal just, like, are like, oh, Steve, like, they tolerate his humor at best, like, hey, he's not picking fights, he's not starting food fights, he's not doing any of that stuff. He's a cool dude. Granted, yes, I can understand why Steve would get on people's nerves after a while. <laughs> and then Tanner's all about ship him back to Chicago when he comes over in uh, the Stephanie Gets Framed episode. Which I haven't covered yet, but I will. <laughs> oh, the principal comes in and he sees Steve. He's like, oh shoot, he's going to see me. And he goes to turn around and Steve, like, spots him. It's like, uh... Principal Sonatasa? Is that kind of like how Mr. Miyagi called Daniel Danielson? Because he says Mr. Samadasan. Okay, clearly Steve's been watching Karate Kid. And I guess Steve speaks some Japanese because, uh... He says in Japanese, so how do you like our weather lately? And the principal says, you know, in Japanese, not bad, but I wish it would rain. The crops need moisture. <laughs> Steve makes a joke. Japanese is adorable. He says, so does the meatloaf. Like the meatloaf being dry. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Just like Miss Steuben and just like the principal, they tolerate Steve with these polite smiles and gestures. Excuse me, I need to go over there where you're not. So, Steve, yeah, I see how Maxine is just draped like a sweater over a seat. And then Steve, of course, puts his tray right down there. And Maxine has to tell him, like, Steve, I'm saving the seat. And he cannot take a hand. He's like, oh, how thoughtful. And he takes her sweater and gives it to her. Like, no, she wasn't saving it for you, guy. Oh, this is interesting. What is she? Laura has a straw and she's shoving it into an apple. So is that her form of I'm going to drink apple juice through this apple through a straw? I've never seen that done in my life. Wait a minute. Now I'm thinking of when I would see like a straw like in an orange. I swear I've seen that in a commercial or something. Or on a packaging of orange juice. I don't know. This boy, ugh, we know he's obsessed with Laura. We get it. Because he opens up. Oh, that's apparently, I don't know what. He's taking out a placemat which has Laura's face on it. Like multiple pictures. This is unsettling. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, he starts singing this song about gonna set my place, then I'll feed my face. And Miss Steuben comes over with her orange, which she's enjoying. Got a half in each hand. She's probably going to tell him, Steve, can you not sing? Especially that song. So it's like this, it's like his made up song to the lyrics of Do Ra Day. Do Ra, Do Ra, Da 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 Do Ra, Do Ra. She screams at him, Steve! <laughs> this lady needs to find something, another position. Something where there are no children around. Because 
She looks like she is one step away from a nervous breakdown. Like, quit before they fire you because you're going to scream at a child. She calls him Steven. She says, Steven, do we have to go through this every day? Go through what? Him singing his song? The lunchtime song. <laughs> and Steve, I guess, misunderstands her. Like, oh, well, I'm stupid. Uh, it's a well-known fact that a pleasant dining environment aids di digestion. And he tells her, try it. It may brighten your complexion. I don't think so. I think she just needs to get out of that school. What's a monster dance? That must be like a Halloween thing. And yeah, he just insults her again. Like, oh, which truth be told, I mean, it's a smidge on the sallow side. Seriously, you need to take care of yourself. You need a break from us kids. Because we can, I can clearly tell we're driving you crazy. Especially me. She wants to... She's got a half of an orgy and looks like she wants to squeeze that in his face. There's a movie... I can't remember what it is. It's like an old black and white movie about this guy sitting at a kitchen table wearing striped pajamas. He's got an orange or a grapefruit and he shoves it in his wife's face. I can't remember what that is but I think at the theater I work at we have like a black and white picture of it hanging up on a wall <laughs> oh hi my little jello mold <laughs> oh so Miss Dubin what looks good summer <laughs> oh Miss Dubin you're a joke a year <laughs> Steve, I'm saving the seat. Oh, why how you. thoughtful. <laughs> which, truth be told, is a smidge on the sallow side. <laughs> so, Laura stands up. She wants to get everyone's attention. Like, hey, I want to run an idea by you guys. Just, hey, everyone, listen, stop. Put your forks down. Listen to me. I got something I got to say. And, of course, it's like Steve kind of steals her thunder. Like, ooh, ooh, is this the idea I heard you telling Maxine this morning? <laughs> Steve adds, as they trail behind you at the mutually agreed upon distance of 20 feet? Yeah, he just, he would get on, because she's trying, like, um, now, what I'd like to, and Steve, like, because it's a humdinger of an idea. Like, Steve, please, 
Then he calls her his little crouton. Ugh. Uh, he makes me nervous. So Laura starts out by saying, you know, every February we learn about Black History Month, but we only, only for a month. We only study it for a month. She, Laura looks like she wants to seriously backhand Steve with that clipboard she's holding. Like, ugh, give me strength, Lord. So, Laura, and Laura even turns to uh, Miss Steuben, who is the history teacher. She says, now I'm not trying to criticize you, Miss Steuben. I mean, you're a great history teacher. And, yeah, Miss Steuben's like, well, thank you, Laura. And then, of course, Steve interjects with, Miss Steuben, please don't interrupt. It's very rude. And again, her temper is just flaring as she squeezes that milk carton and milk just explodes off the top of it. She is, oh my goodness, she is so, oh, she cannot stand Steve. I don't think anybody can. So, honestly, I mean, as much as this is very helpful, because Laura says, so anyway, I thought, why not add a black history class to the curriculum? Well, first of all, that is clearly something that the teacher just can't, she doesn't get to make that decision. She doesn't. That's something you more likely would not, and not only the principal, they would have to bring it up at a school board meeting, it would have to get approved, all of that stuff. Yeah, and she says, that way we could study it all year long. <laughs> and the kids th honestly think that is a great idea. Maxine, you know, some other girls and stuff like that think that's, cafeteria think it's great. I thought people were going to start applauding after. Again, nickname, he's calling, oh, Pearl Wisdom from My Little Oyster. I, I'm... I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm ragging on Steve, but he's getting on my nerves. Okay, so she, yeah, she does have uh, petitions. Like, she tells him, like, hey, if everyone signed these petitions, we'd have a better chance of getting in the class. So, yeah, just see how many people are are definitely interested who signed the petition and, and, you know, take that to the school board and say, hey, I have a number of students here that feel that we should have a class for, you know, black history, you know, and studying it, make it a part of the curriculum. And that's an amazing idea. But then what if you have um, a young Chinese man, um, student or Japanese or, you know, Jewish person that, you know, other people, people from other cultures, kids that are from other cultures that are like, hey, what about me? Why can't we study this? As well, since you're doing that already, and, and you'll know, include other, you know. I, I honestly feel like it's going to be one of those things where it's like, well, if they get that, then why can't we have this or something like that? I just, that's what I get that the students are, there's some that are going to be definitely for, there are definitely, you're going to get some opposition there as well from others that feel like, oh, well, no, we don't need to do that. But I just, I, She's got a great idea. I'm surprised that someone is like, hey, why don't you just start an after-school club? And it's like, no, no, because they all, everyone goes to school there and stuff like that. And it's not just to promote, you know, history for African Americans, but also to, you know, understanding and stuff from other people that also don't know the history. That would like to. That would definitely benefit from it. Everyone would benefit from that. So, yeah, Mrs. Steuben's for it. She's like, this is terrific, Laura. Let me be the first, be the first to sign. 
She grabs a pen out of Steve's pen protector in his pocket. Well, let me be the first to sign. And then, of course, Steve's like, well, I'll be the second to sign as soon as Miss Brabby pen finishes. Steve, please. Um, listen, everybody. Um, I have an idea that I want to run by you. Oh, 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 is this the idea I heard you telling Maxine this morning as I trailed behind you at the mutually agreed upon distance of 20 feet? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, what I like, because it's a humdinger of an idea. Shut but you up, tell Steve. My <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, as I was trying to say, every February we study black history, but only during that month. Oh, so oh, 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 I love this part. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to criticize you, Miss Steuben. You're a great history teacher. Oh, thank you, Laura. You know, I always Ms. try Steuben, to make... please, don't interrupt. It's very rude. <laughs> so, anyway, I thought, why not add a black history class to the curriculum? That way, we can study it all year long. <laughs> Isn't that a great idea? Oh, it's a pearl of wisdom from my little oyster. <laughs> Clam up. <laughs> so, I thought if everyone signed these petitions, we had a better chance of getting a class. This yeah, is yeah. terrific, Laura. Let me be the first to sign. Well, I'll be the second to sign as soon as Miss Grabby Pin finishes. <laughs> Steve also is helping out with the petitions, getting kids to sign and everything like that. Of course, he has to make a big deal like, hey, you're walking off my pen here. So, Steve's like, hey, guys, got a sec? You know, he's talking to the basketball, I'm guessing some of the basketball team. We got guys in Letterman jackets, but we also have a couple guys that are wearing letter jackets from, like, the... 60s <laughs> or so, so it looked like something Danny Zuko would wear at the end of the movie Grease and they're like oh Urkel go away we don't want to have to dunk you again like you know put you in the basket there is so much space in this hallway it is crazy I don't know any hallways that are that large and not to mention it's a shellacked floor like a like they're in a gymnasium because he's like, oh, Steve's like, oh, let me th show you some moves as he takes the ball from the guy and he starts going kind of one-on-one with him. Like, there is, hobbies aren't meant to be throwing basketballs and doing one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, I, I, I've honestly never, ever, ever seen a floor like that in a school hallway. And I've gone all 12 years of school and I've never, usually school hallways are carpeted. Steve's good. You know, he's uh, got some moves, you know, bouncing the basketball between his legs. He's got the thing on the ball on the tip of the finger. Uh, yeah, that's kind of hard to do, but I guess after practice, after a while, you do, you're able to do it. I couldn't do it. Audience loves it, though. So the guy's like, hey, Urkel, I told you a thousand times, because Steve's the guy, I have vital information to share with you. And uh, I'm guessing whether this might be the captain of the basketball team's like, hey, Urkel, I told you a thousand times, I refuse to take vocal lessons. And Steve says, we're trying to get a black history class here. Yeah, we're trying to get a black history class here in school. It'll help us appreciate the past. 
Well, and I think promote understanding as well for those that don't know it and probably could use a lesson in it. And Steve adds, to appreciate the past, contributing to the present, and preparing us for, for the future. So he's like, hey, I'd like you all to sign. Can you do that for me? And yeah, they all like, hey, sounds good to me. And here comes Laura. Well, she's got signatures too. I like that, well, she's allowing him, you know, this is his excuse to be close to her. Like, uh, And plus it's for a good cause too. It's very important. They're exchanging like, oh, look at how many signatures I got. And Laura's like, yeah, I got a bunch too. So Steve says, I got most of the basketball team, so I'm going to move on to the swim team next. I can't wait to show off my backstroke. Now, what is the backstroke? Is that where you're, like, going backwards and with your arms? Like you're swimming backwards or something? I guess. I don't know. Believe it or not, guys, this even tops polka. We're trying to get a black history class here at school. It'll help us appreciate the past, thereby contributing to the present and preparing us for the future. So I like all your John Hancocks right here. That sounds so good to me. There you go, Laura. Oh, thanks a lot, guys. Well, that was easy. Don't stink. Good tooth, dudes. Thanks. Steve. Oh, Laura. Look at all the signatures I got. Oh, good work. I got a bunch, too. Oh, well, I got most of the basketball team. I guess it's on to the swim team next. I can't wait to show off my backstroke. demonstrations, okay? Good idea. But I appreciate all your help. Oh, anytime, my cute little crusader. I believe in you and I believe in your cause. Well, I appreciate that. Why is your locker hanging open? Hey, my locker's open. Really? Oh, my gosh. Why? What's wrong? If you want black history, go back to Africa. What? What? Who the heck did that? Whoa! <laughs> wow. Uh, so Laura goes over, and that's the first time. Like, why is her locker hanging open? And there's a. Like it was ripped from a yellow legal pad. Note on there. She pulls it off and reads it. And it says, if you want black history, go back to Africa. Ugh. And then she closes her locker. And it gets a bazillion times worse. The N-word is on her locker. And it's not like it's just hastily. It was like someone took their time to write that word on there. And I was just like, I, oh. I remember when I watched this on Hulu it, back when we were at the hotel, and I think they actually blurred it out on the Hulu version of the show. And you just feel like there are no words to describe. I can't even imagine what she and you know, was going through. You know, she's trying to do something good for herself and the, for the classmates. You know, she's not just thinking of herself. She's thinking of everybody. 
And, you know, she's trying to do something good. So, we get home later that night. We have Carl pacing behind the couch. We have Harriet coming down with a tray of food. It looks like Laura's probably been in her room. She's not ready to come down. And she's really, really upset. Which I can imagine. I mean... <coughs> Carl asks Harriet, well, how's she doing? And Harriet says she's really upset. I mean, she hasn't even touched her dinner. Because she brings a plate that does have food on it and some milk that, and a glass that hasn't been drank from. And Carl's angry. He throws up his hands like, well, Harriet, what are those people teaching, teaching down at that school? I mean, this is a full-on hate crime. In the I mean, they, they need to find out who that is and expel them, have them arrested, all of that. I'd arrest him if I were a cop for writing that word on someone. Someone didn't hastily spray paint it. They took their time in neat letters. Like all the time in the world to write that on there. There was no one in the hallway when it happened. And Carol says, their own version of the three R's, reading, writing, and racism? And, you know, Harry says, Carl, calm down. It's not the school's fault. Well, then whose fault is it? Somebody has to be responsible. Someone has to be held accountable for the, their actions. And they need to find out who did this. And Carol asks, well, is Laura still crying? And Harriet says, yeah, every time she stops, she starts up all over again. You know, my, my heart breaks for Laura. I mean, I want to cry with her because... And Carl's so angry that he slams his hand down on the fire top of the fireplace. I was like, damn. He's, I, I just feel so helpless. You know, my daughter's been hurt and I can't do anything about it. It's just... See, it's like this incident that, that happened. It's like it has a ripple effect. It's not just affecting Laura. It's affecting her family. And it's just... Something has to be done about this. And Carl says, I can't even tell her that it won't that it won't happen again. And Harriet says, you know, I was exposed to this sort of thing when I was growing up. And Harriet says, you know, but I always hoped it would be different for my kids. That's what is horrible about these patterns constantly repeating themselves because people don't learn and these cycles continue and keep going until this very day. That's why everything in history keeps getting repeated because nobody is learning their lesson. Nobody. What do they say? Those that don't know history are doomed to repeat it? Exactly. I mean, if we honestly can't build a better tomorrow for the kids of the future, then what are we doing here? Really? That's what every parent I'm sure wants. It's for their children not to have to grow up and face the things that they faced growing up. Those hardships. They hope that they can make it better for their kids not to have to have those experiences. That's why they're like, I went through this so you wouldn't have to. The parents, they take on that weight for their children. And Carl says, come on, Harriet, the people that did this to us are teaching that same garbage to their kids. That is exactly, that's the thing, I told you, these cycles repeat themselves. 
And unless someone comes along to break that cycle and make a change, it's never going to stop. It's never going to end. And that is what's heartbreaking. This makes me want to cry. Harriet says I'm up there in Laura's room and she looks at me and she asks, why mom? Why would somebody do this to me? And Harriet says, and I hear myself telling her the same things my mother told me. Some people are ignorant. They're afraid. They hate anybody and anything that's different. And it... It doesn't just have to be the color of your skin that people hate. They can take anything about you and just turn it against and use it against you. You know, your race, your religion, your disability, all of that. People will pick you apart because they feel that they have the right to do so. Because that makes them feel bigger. And Carol asks Harriet, and what did she say? Harriet says she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, But why, Mom? Still pretty upset. She didn't touch her dinner. Well, Harriet, what are those people teaching down at that school? Their own version of the three R's? Reading, writing, and racism? Carl, calm down. It's not the school's fault. Well, is she still crying? Every time she stops, she starts all over again. Carl. Harriet, I just feel so helpless. My daughter's been hurt, and I can't do a thing about it. I can't even tell her that it won't ever happen again. You know, I was exposed to this sort of thing when I was growing up. But I always hoped it would be different for my kids. Come on, Harriet. The people that did this to us are teaching that same garbage to their kids. Carl, I'm up in Laura's room, and she looks at me. And she asks, why, Mom? Why would somebody do this to me? And I hear myself telling the same things my mother told me. Some people are ignorant. They're afraid. They hate anybody and anything that's different. And what'd she say? She looked at me with tears in her eyes. And she said, why, Mom? It's the next day and Laura comes home from school and she does not look happy. What happened? I mean, Carl, again, he's working on that <laughs> vacuum. You need to get rid of it. And Harriet's also there and Grandmother Wins Winslow is there. Mama Winslow's there. And Carl gets right up and is like, Laura, what happened? And she says, Daddy, everything's a mess. And Harriet, yeah, she throws her bag down and Harriet asked, did somebody do something to you? And she says, no, it's the whole school. The black kids won't talk to the white kids. It's like, it's completely divided. 
people are calling each other names, taking sides. And Laura's blaming herself. She said, most likely, if I hadn't come up with that teaching black history as a curriculum, none of this would have happened if I hadn't had that petition. It's like, sweetie, you did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. Okay? I know she can't hear me because she's a character, but still. And Carl's like, your fault. What are you talking about? Yeah, she says, if I hadn't asserted that petition, none of this would have happened. And she says, I just wanted to make things better, but I ended up making them worse. And says, honey, that is not true. None of this is your fault. And Carl says, that's right, that petition was a great idea. And Laura just shakes her head and says, no, it wasn't. And she says, I wish I had never done it. And she she cries on Carl's shoulder. She's like, I just wish it would all go away, Daddy. Oh, it breaks my heart. And I gotta say, the acting in this episode is amazing. It really, really is. <laughs> What happened? Daddy, everything's a mess. Lord, did somebody do something to you? No, it's the whole school. The black kids won't talk to the white kids. People are calling each other names, taking sides. It's all my fault. Your fault? If I had started that petition, none of this would have happened. I just wanted to make things better, but I ended up making them worse. Honey, that's not true. None of this is your fault. That's right. That petition was a great idea. No, it wasn't. I wish I had never done it. I just wish it would all go away, Daddy. So Mama Winslow gets up and she says, Would you two excuse us? You know, she's talking to Carl and Harriet. I'd like to speak to my granddaughter alone. Oh my gosh. This is this is where I I lost it during the scene when she talks to Laura. So, Mama Winslow takes Laura and guides her over to the couch and asks Laura, Laura, do you mind if your old grandmother tells you a story? And Laura says, Grandma, you're not old. And she says, good answer. So, Mama Winslow goes over to the less cabinet it has pictures on there of Laura and Eddie and Judy when they were young and she says no wonder you're my favorite grandchild so she sits down with Laura on the couch and she has a book there she tells Laura Laura when I was your age I loved to read and she says just like you but our little town only had one library and it was for whites only and Laura asks, you couldn't check out a book? And Mama Winslow says, I couldn't even go in. And she continues saying, even then I knew it wasn't right. So one day I decided to do something about it. She says, so one day I walked into the library. And she says, sugar, I couldn't believe my eyes. And I love the picture that Mama Winslow painted. She says, there were thousands of books just sitting there waiting to be read. And the way that she, 
she paints this picture like, you know, a child going to the library for the first time and just seeing this plethora, just, just all these books and just, yes, just waiting to be read, all these adventures waiting to be had, all these stories waiting to be told. And just knowing that the words and the magic are at your fingertips. Laura asks, did you take one? And Mama Winslow says, the librarian, a white man that I had known all my life, pushed her out into the street and told her never to come back. Oh my gosh. And Laura asks, did you cry? And her grandmother says, all the way home. And she says, and the next day, I cried all the way back to the library. And Laura surprised you. You went back? And her grandmother says, every day for six months. She says, people stopped and stared. They called me names. Some even spat at me. And Laura asks, weren't you scared? And grandmother says, was I ever? And she says, and sometimes I was sorry I ever started the whole thing. And she tells her, but I didn't quit. So she says, finally, one rainy day, I walked in dripping wet. And she says, and that same man that pushed me out shook his head and gave me a library card. <laughs> and Laura says, wow. And Mama Winslow says, and from that day on, everybody could use the library. See? What is that saying? It only takes one, one person that can make a world of difference for everybody. It just takes one person to take that first step. Even as scary as it is. And you may not, you don't know the outcome, but you are setting a path for people that will come after you. That's what they, that's like a trailblazer, basically. And she tells Laura, she says, Sugar, I realize you're having a hard time, but you've got to stand up for whatever you believe in. Or things will never change. Yes, Mama Winslow. That's right. In order to have change, sometimes we need to be that change and take that first step if we want to see progress happen. And So she asked Laura, like, do you understand? And Laura nods. And I love how she's like, oh, come here. Let me give you some sugar. Like, let me give you a hug. Oh, I love Mama Winslow. I love her. And Laura's relationship, even though in, in just this episode, just, wow, this is a powerful, powerful episode. And I love it so much. Do you mind if your old grandmother tells you a story? Grandma, you're not old. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're my favorite grandchild. Sit down, honey. 
Well, when I was about your age, I loved to read, just like you. But our little town only had one library, and it was for whites only. You couldn't check out a book? I couldn't even go in. And even then, I knew it wasn't right. So one day, I decided to do something about it. So I walked in the library. Sugar, I couldn't believe my eyes. There were thousands of books just sitting there waiting to be read. Did they let you take one? <laughs> the librarian, a white man that I had known all my life, pushed me out into the street and told me never to come back. Did you cry? All the way home. And the next day, I cried all the way back to the library. You went back? Every day for six months. People stopped, stared, called me names. And some even spit at me. And sometimes I was sorry I ever started the whole thing. But I didn't quit. Finally, one rainy day, I walked in dripping wet. And that same man that pushed me out shook his head and gave me a library. And from that day on, everybody used that life. Sugar, I realize you're having a hard time. But you've got to stand up whatever you believe in. Well, things will never change. This library card is proof that one person can make a difference. You understand? Come here, let me get you some sugar. <laughs> Lovely. All right, so we go back to school the next day and we got posters with Nelson Mandela, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Maxine says, guys, look at all these important black men and women. We have so many posters. We're running out of space here. Yeah. Uh, the, all, all these pictures of all these important figures, black adventures, scientists and adventures. I just, the person who did the set design for this episode and this, I mean, they put a good amount of work into it. I really, really like it. We've got so many posters from running out of walls. So Steve asks, hey, did you know that Dr. George F. Grant patented the first wooden golf tee in 1899? There's also a sign that says blacks in golf history. Yeah, Steve brings up that uh, Dr. George F. Grant patented the first wooden golf tee club. In 1899. And then Steve says, how ironic, since 92 years later, 
we're still not some Steve says here it is 92 years later and we still can't tee off at some country clubs I love that Laura is just she's smiling I love her outfit her red lipstick goes great with it but she's so happy now she's like all done we did we did a great job they did an, an, an amazing job I love it so yeah, it's Maxine, Laura, and Steve that have put all the work into this, and it's just amazing. I wish other students had, you know, come in to kind of help out too, you know? Oh, one of uh, the pictures fell down, and Maxine went over to put it back up. And Laura tells Steve, you know, I couldn't have done this without you. And Steve is bashed with, oh, please, Laura, you're making me blush. And Laura even asks, it's like, you know, I just don't get why people are so afraid of our history. And Steve says, well, because it's different. And believe you me, I know what being different is all about. And Laura says, you know, Steve, it's not just so much that you're different. It's just, you know, you're, uh, she's like, you know, you're kind of, and he says for different, like, I wouldn't say different, Steve. I would say you're unique, and in so many ways, you are ahead of your time. He says, I'm a square peg in a round world. And he says, an argyle in a world of tube socks. Zipper in the world of, in a world of Velcro. And Steve says, you know what, that's okay. I don't mind being different. Like, Steve, you're darn right that's okay, man. And Steve says, I like who I am, and I'm not changing for anybody. And, I, you know, Steve, that's good. Don't change for anybody. You be you. You keep doing you, man. And Laura says, huh I admire you for that. And Steve's like, oh, Pshaw, you're making me blush again. Important black men and women, we've got so many posters, we're running out of walls. <laughs> Dr. George F. Grant patented the first wooden golf tee in 1899. Now, gee, that's ironic. Here it is 92 years later, and we still can't tee off at some country clubs. We're all done. Wow. Looks great. It sure does. Uh, I'll get it. Steve, I couldn't have done this without you. Oh, please, Laura, you're making me blush. You know, I just don't get why people are so afraid of our history. Well, because it's different. And believe you me, I know what being different is all about. <laughs> well, Steve, it's not so much that you're different. It's just, you know, well, you know, you're kind of... Different. <laughs> I'm a square peg in a round world. An argyle in a world of tube socks. A zipper in a world of Velcro. <laughs> but you know what? That's okay. I don't mind being different. I like who I am, and I'm not changing for anybody. Well, I admire you for that. Oh, Pshaw, you're making me blush again. <laughs> so, Miss Steuben, I can't. And the principal, I'm sorry, I feel bad for him forgetting his name. She's like, oh, Laura, this looks great. You've done a wonderful job. Yeah, they actually have it all in the lunchroom area. I think that is so cool. So apparently the problem has a, 
the problem has a uh, the principal has a problem with this. Well, why didn't he address his quote unquote problems earlier before they got this all together? What is the deal? It's like yes, a big one. And he says that the posters are serious, highly inflammatory. What? He says we have a serious situation at this school. And he says racial tension. He says these posters can only fan the flames. As principal of the school, I will not allow the my flames to be fanned. Like, yeah, but... <laughs> See, says, well, easy, Edgar. Don't get your shorts in a knot. The guy's got a the principal's got a problem with it. these posters must be removed immediately. Wait, wait a minute here. They went to all this hard work to do this. They had petitions signed. So are you telling me that he never approved any of this? He didn't know about any of this going on? Are you kidding me? So we got some kids on the basketball team. There's a white guy there and um, some black boys. And they start kind of shoving each other. But then some of the kids start walking around and looking at the posters. You know, the inventors and of Mar uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, King Jr. And one of the basketball players was like, Garrett A. Morgan invented the stoplight? And this one boy says, wow, I didn't know there were so many black in inventors. And another boy says, well, Dr. Daniel Hale Williams performed the, performed the first open heart surgery? So they are learning so much. Like, this is informative and important. You're telling me this principal's still going to want them to take this stuff down? And he says, oh, I thought it was Christian Bernard. And Laura corrects him, like, no, he did the first heart transplant. And Miss Steuben says, you know, Mr. Shimada, the principal, the posters seem to be bringing the kids together. It's like, if it is, then that's a good thing. Let the posters stay. Not to take credit for this? Oh, just as I predicted. Sir, you wanted the posters removed. You do not get to take credit for this. Don't even think about it. And Laura says, Mr. Shimada, all this information can be found in these books. Yeah, Laura's holding a book that says the Black Americans, and she says, these would make great textbooks for a black history course. And the principal's like, I don't know. And Steve says, Edgar, a black history course would only serve to enhance your otherwise drab and predictable curriculum. And Steve continues, it would undoubtedly prevent the unfortunate rabble-rousing that has taken place in these hallowed, hallowed howls the past few days. And, and Steve goes out and he's like, and furthermore, it finally puts a hand to Steve's mouth and says, chill out, dude, in Japanese. So, Miss now I'm mispronouncing her name, said that she spoke to many teachers and she says we would all welcome the opportunity to present a more balanced view of American... Yes! A more balanced view of American history! Steve goes, way to go, Stooby-Doo! So, the principal says, Laura, look, there's a school meet committee meeting next month. I will take this to them and see what they say. Oh, he actually says, you know, come and recommend that a black history class be 
be made part of the I don't think just Laura should be there, but I think multiple students like get a lot of students to speak about that. Like the more people you get, the better and stronger will be to get this approved and passed so they can get that. Maybe not necessarily for that school year, but maybe for in the fall. That way they can add it to the curriculum. And Laura says, I'll be there. She's so excited. And she hugs Steve. And she and Miss Steven are just so excited. Steve says in Japanese, way to go, Edgar. And he says in Japanese, way to go, Steve. <laughs> And Steve says in Japanese, I think Miss Steuben is impressed by you. Oh, could somebody have a crush? And the principal says, yeah, perhaps I should ask her to a movie. Well, maybe it wouldn't hurt. I mean, what she could say is no. Ah, the principal grins to himself. He does like the little hang ten move with the pinky and the thumb out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Laura, this looks great. You've done a wonderful job. Wow. Uh, oh. Oh. Is there a problem, Principal Shimada? Yes, a big one. Uh, Mr. Shimada, if you would just let me explain. You Those that... posters, highly inflammatory. We have a serious situation at this school. Racial tension. Oh. These posters can only fan the flames. As principal of this school, I will not allow my flames to be fanned. <laughs> Lazy, Edgar. Don't get your shorts in a knot. These posters must be removed immediately. Oh. Oh. Garrett A. Morgan invented the stoplight? That's right. I didn't know there were so many black inventors. Me neither. <laughs> Dr. Daniel Hill Williams performed the first open heart surgery? I thought it was Christian Bernard. No, he did the first heart transplant. Mr. Shimada, the posters seem to be bringing the kids together. Mm-hmm, mm, just as I predicted. <laughs> Mr. Shimada, all this information can be found in these books. I mean, these would make great textbooks for a black history course. Oh, well, I don't know. Edgar, a black history course would only serve to enhance your otherwise drab and predictable curriculum. <laughs> and it would undoubtedly prevent the unfortunate rabble-rousing that has taken place in these hallowed halls the past few days. And furthermore, I... Aibo, Otsuka. Mr. Shimada, I've spoken to several teachers, and we would all welcome the opportunity to present a more balanced view of American history. Way to go, Stooby-Doo! <laughs> Laura, there is a school committee meeting next month. Maybe you could come and recommend that a black history class be made part of the curriculum. I'll be there. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Arigato, Steve. Steven san mo anata ga in shouju kero to watakshi wa omu. Tabune ga iku wa tame ni kiku, eh? All right, so it says one month later. All right, let's see. Did it get approved? I hope so.
A month later, he's still working on that vacuum. My goodness. Okay, and we do see Judy. You know what? I don't think we've we saw Steve. Uh, bleh. Yes, we did see. I'm an Eddie. We have not seen him like at all in this episode. <laughs> he hands him a plier, screwdriver. Richie does to hands Carl that, and then a Tootsie Roll. Which oh, I love Tootsie Rolls. They're so good. Also, the Tootsie Roll pops. I love the um. I love the chocolate ones. The strawberry ones are good too. And grape. Well, no, not strawberry. I'm sorry, cherry. Cherry. I think one is grape, isn't it? Orange one too. I'd have to look up the flavors. So it's like, all right, Richie, let's see if this operation was a success. I don't think it's going to do the same thing it did before. I know it. I just, I have a feeling. Oh, he says, hey, Rich, we did. Okay, sounds good. Sounds like it's working. I mean, it looks like it's working. Uh, yeah, it just dust and powder all over the place. Get rid of it. The amount of time you took to fix it, you could have just bought a new one. Richie, yes, that's exactly what I just said. Better pop for a new one. Judy says, fat chance. Like, no, he's not going to budge. He's just going to keep working on it until... Uh, here comes Laura. And the thing that she's got is not a book bag. It's like one of those insulated beach bags that still, mind you, has a tag on it. Like, come on, props department. You could at least cut that tag off because clearly it's it's new. And that it's just, it's not a book bag. It's not a backpack. She's got it on her shoulder. But she's, Laura's smiling when she comes in the door, so that's good. So, yeah, the family all stands up. You know, everyone but Eddie, because he's not there. And they ask her how the committee meeting went. And Carl asks, oh, did you give them the old Winslow one-two punch? And Laura, I like how she's confident here. She's like, well, I hate to brag, but I knocked them dead. And Laura says, I think we have a good chance of getting a black history class. Mama Winslow is like, that's my girl. <laughs> and Laura says, Grandma. And she says, yes, honey. And Laura says, you were right. One person can make a difference. You got that right, girl. You are so right. Screwdriver. Screwdriver. Smash that handle right into his hand. Pliers. Pliers. <laughs> Tootsie roll. Tootsie roll. Oh, they're on. Okay, Rich. Now let's see if this operation was a success. Two punts? Well, I hate to brag, but I knocked him dead. <laughs> I think we have a good chance of getting a black history class. That's my girl. <laughs> oh. 
Grandma. Yes, honey? You were right. One person can make a difference. All right, that was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed covering this for the podcast. Oh my gosh, this really tugged at my heartstrings. It was just such a powerful episode. The acting was just amazing. So, yeah, this does have a 7.1 out of 10, which I probably already said in the beginning. Um, I did say I wanted to read trivia and if there are any user reviews. So, trivia. One of the first episodes of only a few that emphasizes that the Winslow family is African American. A spray-painted racial or uh, wait a minute. No, actually, now that I think about it, I already <laughs> did those. Okay. When I, okay. So, all right, here we go. Let's read the user reviews. We got the first ones from June 4th, 2020. Gives it a 7 out of 10. Titles it, From Family Matters to Race Relations. Okay. One of the most notable things about Family Matters is that it never came across as a black show. I'm not sure the show deserved points for an episode with a racially charged theme. The story's engaging thanks mostly to Laura and Steve. Laura almost made me cry here, and I've had that reaction to her in other episodes. This serious subject is handled in a questionable way. Who were the students that had a problem with a black history course being taught? We don't know, because the perpetrators of the vandalism are never shown. It was a racially mixed school, so whoever would be a against a black history course should logically have had the same issues with being in that school in the first place. The episode ends without re- a resolution. The perps are not identified. You know, for heaven's sake, they're not going to find them, okay? I'm sorry. The tension that had developed between the students starts to fade away, but for unclear reasons. The problem hadn't been solved. Much credit, though, to Jaleel and Kelly, always my main reason for watching. So, yeah, Steve and Laura. All right. Next one, 10 out of 10. This is from September 20th of 2019. Titled, I Cried All the Way Back to the Library. You went back? Now... While this may not be my favorite episode ever of the show, it is up to this point the most important one. I believe that this was a good serious episode with a great message. It was not a repeated one, thank all family matters, and the subject and the way it is handled is magnificent. I think the key that made this episode so good was the actors they chose to deal with this situation, the main ones being, of course, Laura, Carl, and in the end, Estelle, Mama Winslow. They are, without a doubt, the most capable, emotional actors on the show. The speech Estelle gives to Laura is heart-wrenching and very affecting. Oh my goodness, yes. She says, uh, the reviewer says, I was welling up as well. This is a sitcom, so there are funny moments. But they don't ruin any moments they are played well. And with taste... A step up for the series and one of my favorites. One person can make a difference. 10 out of 10. Okay, the last one. 7 out of 10. This is from June 6, 2013. Fight the good fight. And then, of course, season 2, episode 20. Warning, spoilers. Laura is trying to bring black history into the curriculum and faces resistance by the racism. I like this episode. It is not the funniest one and pretty simplistic, but it is well done on the topic for the kind of TV show that it is. 
the greatest problem when confined with this episode is that we don't see how all the race fights in school developed since it seemed at first that most supported the idea and the way it ended was unrealistic at the same time i loved the scene at laura's locker where she has a racial i loved it the racial profanity written on it very strong and not sugar-coated and estelle telling her about her library experience brought tears to my eyes although this is usually not what i want from a comedy show lol lol I guess the episode makes me sad because so many years later and black history is black history in high schools is still not doing much better. Yeah, as I said, I um I never I never really they didn't have a black history class or they didn't teach it when I was in school. I mean, granted, yes. I mean, if you're a long-time listener of the podcast, you know I was in special ed from the time I was in, in kindergarten all the way up until I graduated high school. They taught you pretty much the bare-bones basics. And I remember one time I did, in eighth grade, have a social studies class where it was more taught about, like, the Civil War and stuff like that and it just I remember it just they, I don't remember learning about that stuff and I feel looking back on it now I wish I had a broader range of cultural history all aspects especially black history so um yeah like but you know I I really enjoyed covering this episode I wanted to do this because you know, Black History Month and everything, so I hope that you guys, you know, enjoy this episode, maybe get something out of it, so have a great rest of February. If you want to email the podcast, you can do so. There are many ways, either Punky Power, PB Podcast, or LBOM, Wonder Years Podcast at gmail.com. Because I'll be putting it on both the Looking Back on Wonder Years and the Punky Power podcast as well. So, bye-bye, everybody.